0: This is episode 229 of How About That Cigar, recorded live at the Corona Cigar Studio. On this episode, we talk to Honest Abe from Smoke In about the Great Smoke 2024 and much more. Please take a minute to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show.
1: Corona Cigar Company is your one-stop shop for all your cigar needs. Whether that's a brand-new humidor, a box of those new cigars you've been waiting for, a top-of-the-line cutter or lighter, a place to enjoy the finest cigars and spirits with friends, or the only cigars grown right here in the Sunshine State, we've got you covered. Come visit one of our retail locations for the ultimate cigar experience. Visit us online at coronacigar.com.
0: How about that cigar? Well, how about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen... Wh- Get that.
2: Jeez Louise.
0: Cowboys.
2: You, whoop them. you whooped them yesterday, <laughs> now you're whooping me? Jeez, how about them cowboys? How about <laughs> them
0: cowboys? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corona Cigar Studios for episode uh, 229 don't ask me. To I had fried, it took me a second to remember. Episode number two hundred twenty nine of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you guys so much for watching live on Facebook, live on YouTube, live on Instagram, Instagram. live on X, formerly known the artist, formerly, formerly known, known as Twitter. Twitter. Uh, and if you guys are listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your regular. Audio podcast rotation. Make sure to click all the subscribe buttons, all the like buttons, all the buttons, so you don't miss anything we have going Smash on here. Smash them all. All of the buttons.
2: So, before we start talking about... <laughs> and everybody knows I'm not a Packer fan, but I love when they whooped them Cowboys yesterday. Oh,
1: that, that was beautiful. Was,
0: that was... I mean, as, as... I mean, you can see the hat. I'm a Green hat Bay Packers fan. It goes right in the trash. Um, I... I always go into games with hope, but realistic hope, you know, because although I'm a I'm a fanboy of the Green Bay Packers, I'm also a fan of the game. I understand that, you know, they were complete underdogs yesterday. There yes. was there was no hardly anybody was giving them a chance to win. I was. You were. Hardly anybody was giving them a chance but to win.
2: Let's get Justin in here and let's see what he yes. thinks about yesterday's game.
0: I know, that, I know that you watched every second of every, every play, every down, every pass, every run, every handoff, you know.
2: Oh, you know, yeah, I watched it all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know you're a huge sports fan, Justin. Yeah, I just, huge.
2: I, the Packers won, Cowboys yeah. lost, I got that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, it was a great game. Um, yeah. The second game of the day was a lot more enjoyable as far as competitiveness. Um, the Lions and uh, oh, the, the yeah,
0: that was it's interesting too because out of uh Wild Card weekend and uh Philly, uh Philly and whoever else is Tampa still Bay. Tampa Bay, they're still playing right now, um, but so Green Bay basically Green Bay killed Dallas, murdered them. Kansas City killed Miami, Houston killed Cleveland, Buffalo killed Pittsburgh. And Philly and Tampa are playing right now. The And and the only close game, it was a one-point game, yeah. Lions-Rams. Yep. It was competitive. You know, there was good offense, good defense. Um, it was a solid game. And then uh, – I mean, Stafford gave them a chance. Yeah. He gave the Rams a chance to get there, but they just couldn't. Uh, so Tampa's still up, Jesus says.
2: Uh, yeah, they're up 16-3 last time we checked.
0: 16-9 now, looks like. Um, okay, well, this may be another close one. I guess, but honestly, a lot of blowouts. I was not—I mean, I was expecting some more close games. Yeah. But the fact that Green Bay beat up on Dallas like that, I was not expecting it. I was expecting, if anything, Green Bay would have a chance to win with like a last-second field goal.
2: How about them Cowboys? You know why so. I hate the
0: Cowboys so much?
2: It's not because of the team. It's not because of the owner or the coach. It's some damn fans. They are just...
0: Terrible. I don't know. I don't mind Dallas Cowboy fans.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only worst fans behind them are maybe Philly or Green Bay. I was going to say, the Eagles can't be. Oh, sorry about Philly that. Philly or That's Green
0: that. Bay? Man. You ever been to Lambeau Field? You go to Lambeau Field wearing the opposing jersey, you people will treat you so nice, you won't even know what to do with yourself. If, if I, I
2: go to Green Bay, I'm not going to a game. I'm hitting one in a smoke shot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there are some good ones in Green, yeah. green Bay, too. Um, but on the other side of the coin... Sports wise, here in Minnesota, the Minnesota Wild still suck. So, that's a quick report on the Minnesota Wild. Yep. Um, and the Timberwolves are pulled. still in first place.
2: And they pulled off a good win the other day against
0: uh, I'm starting to watch highlights. Lakers. Um, class, and I've man. even, I've even, you know, spun up a couple games on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. So, I'm starting to watch a little basketball again, just a little bit. A little bit. Um, but yeah, don't get out. Don't hold out any hopes that I'm gonna become like a regular, regular fan again. No. Um, and uh, oh, a little quick mystery whiskey, whiskey check-in. Uh, as you guys know, we do a mystery whiskey uh, for the last I don't know four or five months. Yep. So Raul brought this in from our uh, mystery, also a mystery benefactor who's yes. been uh, donating these samples for the last couple of weeks.
2: And I can tell you, it is an eight-year-old bourbon. That is import imported or exported to another country. Can't get it here in the United States.
0: Smells really good. I smelled it before. I haven't tasted it yet, but I poured it before the show. Um, it's got a great aroma. A lot of sweet, like butterscotchy kind of smells. Brown sugar, toffee kind of smells. Uh, a little taste here. Justin is drinking his 1919 as usual, which he loves.
2: What are you smoking, brother?
0: Uh, I've got a M81 Blacken. All
2: right. And I am smoking some vintage
0: Ice Mountain. Vintage Ice Mountain water. Uh, so our first taste, this whiskey is really good. It's It it smells higher proof than it is. So it does taste like an, about a 90-ish okay. proof. Uh, but it's got great sweetness on it. There's a little bit of a funk that almost makes me wonder if it might have been finished in some different kind of a, a cask. I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, but it's it's nice so far. I definitely like that. Uh, but guys, you know why we're here. We are here talk to the guy for our special event of the evening. Um, so this is episode 229 of How About That Cigar Live. And it is time for our special guest of the evening, as always, brought to us by our friends at Drew Estate's. And Drew Estate originally introduced Chateau Real in 2007. Not long after the launch, this cigar brand mysteriously disappeared. And then the story became that only of folklore, legend, and even controversy. Now, Chateau Real makes a triumphant return exclusively at Drew Diplomat Digital Retailers. A luxurious blend crafted to highlight the cigar's Connecticut shade-forward flavor. Its balanced blend of well-aged Nicaraguan binder and filler tobaccos are all wrapped in a beautiful connecticut shade wrapper leaf this cigar is available in robusto toro and churchill only at drew diplomat online premium cigar retailers presented in 20 count boxes for more information please visit drewestate.com ladies and gentlemen if you would please help us out put your hands together welcome back to how about that cigar live from smoke in honest abe to welcome back to the show brother
1: Glad to be here, boys. Just curious, who who wrote that copy for the Drew Estate?
0: I pulled that copy from the original press release. Did a little paring down and editing so it wasn't a five minute long read, but I that was straight, pretty much paraphrased directly from the press release that they sent.
1: I'm just curious, what was the mystery? I, I've, I've, always, I've always kind of wondered that,
0: too. I think the mystery basically was people always wondered if they were ever going to bring that cigar back. And what happened? Uh, it,
1: it wasn't a mystery why it disappeared. It didn't sell. But, I mean, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean I, that was the mystery. It. But, but I mean, I'll tell you what. So, I mean, this was Drew Estate's first venture outside of the infused cigars. Right. It was the first time. So, I'm kind of actually looking forward to this release. I'm expecting... A way better version than the original Chateau Real. So, I mean, um even though you know, I kind of just dug on a little bit, I'm actually looking forward to trying this when it comes out.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling it's. I mean, I although, as the old
1: Virginia Slims ads, you know, they've come a long way, baby.
0: So, they have come a long way. We'll see what happens. I I sort of enjoyed that cigar back then, but I mean, this was 2004, 2005. Somewhere in there when I started, well, the first time I, I maybe smoked one of those cigars. And I think I bought, I, I don't know if I ever bought a box, but I bought a few fivers of that cigar and and enjoyed
1: it. But, you know,
0: I've come a long way, baby.
1: We so. made, we made I think, 150, 60 count, 50 or 60 count, like these chest boxes. Yeah. And um, four manufacturers were involved, Oliva, Rocky. Camacho, and Drew Estate. So they each made 20 cigars, I think, that went in this big chest. And we sold 150 of these, and they came with a medallion. This is our 10th anniversary. So this was 2006. Um, and uh, we gave away a Harley. So if you bought one of these chest boxes, you had a 150 chance of winning a Harley. And um, Chateau Real was, uh, they made a special version of Chateau Real that, that went in those 150 boxes yeah in 2006. so but yeah i'm, I'm, I'm kind of really excited to see this come back See, see how, how it is
0: yeah i think i think the from what i've heard from a few people that i trust at drew estate the the blend is definitely more refined than than what it used to be so yeah i just, I just
1: thought the word mystery was funny uh, <laughs> mysteriously disappeared i didn't know maybe there was a story i didn't know about
0: aliens took them aliens it was right. aliens definitely always aliens uh, Abe, what are you smoking?
1: Um, a sin.
0: Nice. Great stick. Sin. Great stick. So good. So good. Justin, what are you smoking?
1: Uh, the Drew Estate.
0: M81
2: Blackened.
0: M81 Blackened. Uh, Raul, what do you got?
2: I am going to be smoking uh, prostate here. The Desiree. You, did
1: you say you're going to be smoking your prostate? <laughs> <laughs> What he said? I missed it. I
0: got bad yeah. sound out here. No, uh, pos- oh yeah, is that
1: how this show is gonna go? Have you, have you heard? On.
0: Have you heard of Apostate Cigars yet, Abe? I'm messing with it. He's fucking.
2: It's gonna be on tonight. <laughs>
0: oh boy. Well, I just, I just finished. So that's a Davidoff Grand Crew. Right? Yeah, I'm just finishing that. One. Yeah, I just finished a Placencia, uh, Cosecha 149. I'm gonna fire up a Cigar of the Year, Tatuahe Tuxla. Lomo de Cerdo. Hey, how about that cigar? Cigar. How about that year? cigar? Cigar of the year. Uh, and I think I'm going to fire that up right now. And by the way, I've been mm-hmm. hanging out with you a lot lately. I've been smoking and a- every time I see you, <laughs> I want to have things in your hand. Hey, there's a there's a reason why I picked it number one. Yeah, I mean it's not just it's not just a fluke. You know, there's a reason I picked it number one. Here's our uh, here's our good friend Saka Squatch, right there. And this is uh, I got to get this cigar fired up. Uh, So let's do that right now, guys, on the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Toast Cam. When lighting your cigar, it's important to be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sober Mesa to Umbagog, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. There we go. Yeah, you didn't even see my lips move. You know, I just realized actually, as as I was listening to that playback, the music that uh, the music that I picked for the, the behind that read, I don't know. It's Abe. Uh, D, there's There's either. One of two vibes I'm getting from the music behind that Dunbarton Reed. And I just realized it. It's either like Miami Vice or like 80s cop show vibes. Or it's like soft porn, Skinamax.
1: Uh, I, I, my, I'm sorry, but I gonna have to listen to it a little bit again. I, I, was, really, <laughs> I was enamored with the lighting. I'm like, is he going to light that for the duration of this? commercial and that's then i was impressed that you didn't try to do a live read and that you actually had audio background to it mm. and you came out a little bit more but so i was watching a lot of things and totally missed the background yeah. music
0: well i gotta say it abe was- the reason that that's not a live read and that that's pre-recorded is because the last time sock was on the show he gave me so much shit for the way that i read it while while we because my eyes kept darting back and forth from the camera to the screen, so I could. actually I focus it. On the it. I words. liked
1: it. It was a good touch. It was a good touch. <laughs> it was a good so, touch.
0: So yeah, that was. I uh, think
2: his words were. Is what? That's what I'm freaking paying that, for. He did.
0: <laughs> and then the power went out. And then yeah, <laughs> right, right and of then that. the power went out, and Saka's like, "What the fuck what you am that? I doing on this it's show?" Gorgeous. Oh, nice. That's a wonderful cigar. Oh, so good. Um, so first couple puffs. What do you think of that apostate cigar? It's tasty. Yeah, nice. It's tasty. Nice. Um, so Abe, before we get into um, talking about the Great Smoke, and there's a lot of stuff to cover there. We're really excited for this event. But the Great Smoke. The Great Smoke. Yeah. I, I apologize. Yeah, I mean, oh, you, you've, you've great
1: heard smoke. of that, right? Yeah, a little bit. Dude, <laughs> we are so far up the Great Smoke's ass right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we. We it's want going to, to be a little... long four or five weeks.
0: <laughs> we want to give you at least a few minutes of a break from talking about The Great Smoke before we actually dive headfirst into it and and get your thoughts on on something else in the cigar industry that, that you know, happens around this time of year.
2: Go ahead. I have one question Uh-oh. before we get into cigar stuff. Uh-oh. Did your son learn his basketball skills from you?
1: Um, so actually i was a good baller believe it or not in my early 20s when i was working in the grocery business with my father i played five on five five nights a week for about two years straight nice yeah so i i i uh i didn't play it in high school um i just kind of got too big by, by my sophomore year but oh is a is a good player and played it for most of my life so Um, I'd like to say he got it mostly for me, but at the age he's at now, and the age I'm at now, (laughs) my maneuverability isn't there to educate him. I'm really good at um, giving him the fundamentals, you know, where he should be, whatever. And I tell you what, this is his second season playing, and they made the playoffs. And, like, last year it was so rough watching him. They had a terrible coach. And – I just wanted to walk on the court and like take over the practice. You know, he just yeah. wasn't teaching the kids nothing. And it's really funny because at that age, they don't keep score. They don't call much. So it's not, there's nothing really to watch really, you know? Um, and, you know, during the practices, our team would be on what happens every, every now and then there'd be another team coaching. I literally caught this other team doing their practice once or twice. I looked at those two coaches, like fucking look at these guys. These guys are like solid coaches. Why couldn't my son end up, you know, with coach a coach like that? And I'm gonna tell you what, man. When when they did the draft, and I went to the first practice. It was those two guys. They coached him right. this. Yeah. I tell you what, they did an amazing job. I I, I love their coaching skills. they I'm. It was such a great year compared to last year. Um. So I think more of the education as far as physical moving around has been done by the coaches. But I worked with him like at least one to two days a week. Um, just on fundamentals and stuff and strategy, you know. You know, they just don't understand even, like, um, you know, how to direct the path if you get beat. Like, my son wants to chase a guy behind his ass. No, bro. You drop yeah. back and you cut the line. Yeah. Stuff like that we will teach him. But uh, it's been a great year. I've loved it. I loved it. And he starts flash football next month.
0: Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah my, my son played – he's 22 now, but he played one – Uh, season of basketball in eighth grade and um the first game that they played and this is a tiny little charter school I'm talking like senior graduating class of like 30 people Mm. so the first game they played was at a pretty big school uh down north of Minneapolis suburb called Fridley here and this school was pretty big school compared i mean we they barely had enough guys in my son's school to fill out the 10-man roster and so they get to this big school to play their very first game of the season and i still have a picture of it somewhere in my google photo saved Uh, the final score was 98 to 2 wow yeah 98 to 2 and they didn't call it i mean halftime comes along and the coaches on both sides are like no let's keep playing and at this point at the, at halftime it was something like 40 something. 68 yeah. to zero right. <laughs> and um they said no let's keep playing and everybody's like okay I guess we're we're <laughs> gonna keep this going I mean I felt keep this I, abuse going I felt like maybe right. Mike McCarthy did
1: yesterday <laughs> I
2: don't know <laughs> uh, hey did you play any sports in high school School,
1: yeah. I, I played football four years and we were state finalists so it was a good year we had seven shutouts out of nine games i played the defensive tackle nose guard so nice. that was my my stick in grammar school i played soccer um uh soccer and basketball we didn't have football in grammar school which was really kind of rough my freshman year because i went to a, a, a catholic high school and mm-hmm. the it was called the east suburban catholic conference cool. and It was one of the hardest conferences in the state because the Catholic grammar schools had a contact football program. So I literally became a freshman in high school. I'd never put on a pair of pads. I was too big at Pop Warner like at birth. So like I literally never put on a pair of pads and these kids were all been hitting each other, whacking each other for like three years already. So um, our conference was a really solid conference in the state. Nice.
0: Yeah, my high school set records for longest consecutive losing streak and then the year after I graduated um they won sectionals and then 2 years later they won state in their in their class so
2: we ran yeah. we won city
1: 3 out of 4 years I
2: was nice I played football
1: it was kind of cool a couple of years ago maybe i don't know 3 4 years ago uh maybe after covid a little bit yeah maybe it wasn't that long ago but yeah around 3 4 years ago when we were in Chicago, I took my oldest two daughters to my high school nice. um, and, my, and my son. And um, you know, you know, they have the trophy cases and whatever, all the big things happen. And they have our team there from the year because we were state finalists and whatnot. So they wow. got to see me and, and my team and the in the high school case and you know, from nineteen eighty nine. Wow. So yeah. cool. It was pretty cool.
0: Well, right, now let's talk cigars. So one of the things that happens this time of year. We freeze our balls off. We Well, besides. uh, Not me, brother. I'm
1: sweating. (laughs) I'm literally sitting outside so I can smoke instead of doing it inside. I got this nice setup, this brace, this light and everything. And I'm like, God dang, I'm sweating (laughs) out here. It's warm. It's warm for January here in Florida. I can't believe it. Because right to my left is typically a fan during the summer months. And now it's the heater you know that I turn on and it gets a little too chilly oh, at night and I'm like god damn I wish the fan was here still up.
0: <laughs> yeah I'll, let me let me hold this up here for you minus no
1: bro no minus sir.
0: minus 5 right now
1: that's why i moved to chicago no sir
0: yeah it is it is no it uh, is no fun you
2: know part of our pain then if you're living in chicago you know part of the weather yeah you, 26,
1: 26 years bro you remember I've what it was like sho- shoveled enough snow for a few lifetimes <laughs>
0: yeah well so one of the things besides us freezing our balls off up here during this time of year one of the other things that's inevitable whether it's right before the end of the year or right after the first of the year is you start seeing the barrage of cigar of the year lists and whether it's us or whether it's how about that cigar or cigar Coop or cigar dojo half wheel blind man's puff cigar aficionado all everybody comes out with their lists around this time so as a i mean w- because you wear many hats in the industry, Abe. But you know, f- from just an overall standpoint, what do you what are your thoughts on the lists the way they are now, the way the whole thing has kind of changed over the years? Because it really just used to be, you know, maybe cigar aficionado and and a couple of blogs, and now there's youtube channels there's TikTok people there's uh, it's just absolutely blown up how many people are out there putting out
2: everybody s- and their mother has a list
0: yeah so what what are your thoughts overall on on uh, what's good about people putting out lists what's bad about it what do how do you, I don't, do you think i you don't like the consumer i don't at
1: all? really i don't really think there's anything bad about people putting out lists okay you know everybody has their own opinion but you know lists reviews it's all opinionated stuff and if your opinion sucks and continually sucks, people are going to stop listening to you and watching what you do. So it's almost a you know a Darwinistic evolution. But I think it's great. I remember. I mean, look, I've never been a fan of C- CA's list because to me it just doesn't make sense. Okay, it really makes absolute sense. Why? Why is a cigar that's been out for thirty years making your top twenty-five? Can you imagine the Oscars? if They just Gave an award out every year, but for the lifetime of movies. Yeah. You know, so the people who made year lists, but really only covered cigars that came out that year, for me, is obviously the more logical sense and the way to go. So um, that dynamic would have never happened if people didn't start reviewing cigars on their own, doing their own thing. So that, that was really cool to see. And the diversity of it is, I mean, I like when people get bent out of shape over somebody else's list. You, <laughs> I, I don't understand that i mean yeah. it's just like a movie critic growing up i pretty much if i wanted to know if a movie was good or get some feedback about i should go see a movie i would listen to roger ebert for me he was the guy of movie reviews and it, mostly because when he reviewed a movie i wouldn't watch it that's exactly how i felt yeah if i'm if i'm reviewing a cigar or rating a cigar and i see this and this and the populace doesn't agree with me 95% of the time, no one's gonna to listen to me anymore. So if you're good at what you do, you'll get a following of people who agree with your opinions. And that's all these lists are pretty much just opinions. It's one of the reasons why like, even with KMA, even with our website or our company, like, you know, there are there are retailers out there who put their own top lists and whatever. And look, when I, when I see those lists, I could see half of them are, are based to drive sales for a certain brand or something. So sometimes the ingenuineness is apparent, but I never engage in that because no matter what I say, I always feel like, well, half the people are gonna think I'm really good at what I'm doing, half the people are gonna really think I suck. So why bother? <laughs> yeah. You know, why bother at that point? So oops sorry, there was something on my thing. Oh, so um, why bother why bother at that point? So yeah, um, but I think it's good. I think it's good. I think the more content that's out there for our culture for our fans, for cigar smokers to read, it is never a bad thing. People are just gonna get filtered out to pretty much where they are. When I started, when bloggers started, I mean, look, when I first, I I got into it early. As soon as I saw there were blogs and guys doing reviews, I remember we used to, I used to like advertise on a lot of them. I was a heavy supporter early on because I loved the medium. I love having a medium, something, something other than CA. And my deal was when you, when you, if we took an ad or, you know, did something with you was the evergreen date was always uh, March 1st or May 1st, May 1st. So if we joined like in the middle of the year, we pay you through May 1st and then review, because I didn't want to renew these like every other month. So I knew one time a year, all our advertising and sponsorships would get paid, but I'll tell you what. 10% of the people that we used to deal with when it first started are still around maybe even less I mean there's a lot of new guys but you know I'm going to say not even 10% you know maybe 10% of who less now I'd say probably closer to 6 Yeah, of people the people that we were renewing annually with back then are gone so you know it's look you know but Coop knows right. to do this is a lot of work and nobody's really doing this for a living full time living I believe So they got some real job. And then you got a guy like Coop uh, who's got like three shows a week. You guys, Mm -hmm. one or two? Just one. Okay. Just one. And you look at that. And if you have a blog and you're doing any other kind of writing, man, it's a lot of work. So you got to really love what you're doing to continually do this for any long period of time. I mean, look, KMA is now, I think it's 12 or 13 years now. This is our 13th year. And it's like haven't had a Saturday morning now almost. I mean, like, regularly. Like, we take two weeks off around Christmas, and we miss a few here and there. But we haven't had Saturday mornings for 13 years. Yeah. Who does that unless you really love what you're doing? So we love getting up and bullshitting every Saturday morning. So I think for most of us, it's almost like our therapy on Saturday morning. So yeah, um, you really got to love what you're doing. So I, I, I like it. I'm glad there are bloggers out there. You know, I don't think anybody should really – be taking these things to heart or being seriously. Do you agree with the guy's opinion or you don't move on? Right. But the guys that want to comment or make a big ordeal about it, that I don't get.
0: Yeah. Yeah, do it's you... all it's in the end of the day, it's all subjective. Every list is subjective. And Absolutely. based on the palettes of the people who are doing the reviews.
2: Do you find that once once these lists come out, does it help your shop at all? Do you do you see a pickup in orders?
1: No. Okay. I mean, look. For the most part, because there's so many of them. So whose list is coming up who, right? Um, There are certain guys whose lists get a lot more notoriety, Mm -hmm. a lot more exposure. And, yeah, their their lists probably we see a little pickup on their top ones. But, I mean, it's nothing, like, hugely dramatic. It's nothing compared to, like, what a CA number one used to do 10, 15 years ago. It doesn't even have that impact today anymore like it used to. You know, no, I remember, was- I remember as soon as I found out what the number one cigar is, I wouldn't waste time calling to put it in an order. We would call the company. I think when year was like Alec Bradley, when Tempest was number one, like we called them. Do you have them in the warehouse? Yeah. Okay. We're going, we're putting in a 50 or 60 box order. I'm sending somebody there now. Yeah. Because I knew, I, it, I knew that if they just said, yeah, we'll take my 60 box order. And everybody started ringing the company throughout the day. Before that box got shipped, it was going to be 15 boxes. Yeah. Because they would say, oh, I'll just take some brave. We took a lot. Like, no, dude, my guy will be there in about 42 minutes, have my 60 boxes ready. So yeah. that, I mean, that's how big it used to be, but it doesn't even have that kind of impact like it used to. But it's all good. It's all, it, 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 listen, it's all positive. It takes a lot of ingredients to make a dish, and it's all positive ingredients as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. So the and I agree with what you're saying that I I remember for so many years shops that were local to me when that list, when that cigar aficionado issue came out. And I mean, it, this is even before a lot of people were spending time on the Internet reading cigar aficionado when when pretty much everybody who read it read the hard copy. Right. You know, and then they get it in the mail. I would get mine in the mail, see what the number one cigar of the year was. And, you know, either start calling local shops or, you know, start driving around. And yeah, sure as shit, you know, back in the early days of their list, the shops were placing huge orders for these cigars. And now, I mean, when it obviously last year was an exception because it was a Cuban cigar that was number one. Uh, But uh, aside from that, in the last five years, I mean, I've seen shops place orders, but nothing massive,
1: not I'll tell okay. you what um if you're going back to Alec Bradley Tempest right which which you know Alan Rubin was very public about how they botched that up
0: yeah he, he those, was really honest about it
1: very honest about how they tried to meet the demand and botched it up in Merc cigar but I'm probably I'm not sure what year that is but I'll guess I'm probably five to six times bigger of a company today than I was then. Yeah, I don't order as much now, right? I, I order a fraction for a number one CA than I did back then.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even small shops here, instead of ordering, you know, six to ten boxes, they're ordering two. You know, when at, when a cigar gets number one, they're ordering two boxes instead of, you know, six or ten. Right.
2: Hey, what do you think about having Cubans on that list?
1: I mean, look. The Cuban thing was a big, like, through most of my early cigar smoking days, it was the big mystery, the big you know chase, the big thing. And, you know, I'm very confident that CA, part of their duty is to keep that psychology going because they feel if it ever opens up here, it's going to be another big revival or renaissance. Um, but I don't think it should be rated. You know, I don't know. I mean, look, here's the thing. I don't know if Cigar Aficionado, how much of it is an international magazine. You know, if it's an international magazine, then yeah, you throw it in the mix, and that's the way it is. So then, yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, you know, to rate a cigar that's not easily accessible, I don't see one Cuban cigar ad in their magazine. I I just think, but part of their job is to keep that dream going. It's like, you know, when I grew up, Coors Beer was... Like, I remember my neighbors coming back with a van that was full of Coors Light because, you know, it was this mystique. They never sold it east of the Rockies. And, you know, as soon as it became an open thing, it's just another beer. And I don't, me personally, there's zero level of excitement for me for a Cuban cigar. Like, there's no chase. Sometimes even I'm an international, don't care to go find them. Um, But I come across one, it's like any other cigar to me. Mm-hmm. I'll smoke it and either I like it or I don't like it. You yeah. know, and, you know, I don't mind to smoke them. I'm just, there's, there's so many, I mean, that's really in my opinion, I mean, the majority of the great cigars are not being made there anymore, in my opinion. So why am I, why that that lure of chasing something that you can't get, that that left me a long time ago.
0: Yeah, same I here. agree with you. Yep.
1: And I'm not saying they're not bad. I'm not saying they're good. There's just no need for me to jump hurdles when I have so much great shit so readily accessible. What's yeah. the point? I don't I think for the most part, it's lateral goodness. It's not like I'm going up and climbing a Mount Everest of difference. It's it's at best a lateral goodness. So why am I jumping hurdles for a lateral goodness? I'll just select from this cornucopia of great <laughs> shit that's available to me every day.
0: Yeah. And you know that you know that so much of what's already surrounding you on any given day, cigar wise, you're going to enjoy it a lot more than than and I'm not saying there's zero chance, I'm just saying the odds are so much better that you're going to enjoy something that you're surrounded by every day more than you would enjoy a Cuban cigar brand that you searched for for six months and overpaid for and waited for customs and blah, blah, blah.
1: And then and then you got to fight, and it's not a secret, the probability of quality but, control yes. and destruction. Yeah. Exactly. So you can still have a great cigar, but Things plug doesn't draw and you're poking it 8,000 times. What's the point?
0: Yeah,
2: 20, yeah. Ten out of the 20 are good are smokable.
0: If you're lucky. Yeah. If you're lucky. Yeah. Well, uh, the Great Smoke 2024 is uh man, it's uh, it's what five five weeks away. <laughs> oh. So uh how are you holding up? How's the team holding up? Uh I don't know. I feel like we're a hand.
1: I feel like we're ahead in so many areas and behind in so many areas. It's just, there's no, you know, everybody thinks they're like, oh, you've done this so many years and it's gotta be so no man. There's never a sense of I feel ready ever, ever. Yeah. It's always fighting a deadline. I always feel like I'm behind, um, you know, and part of it is we keep changing it, you know, trying to make it better. So, you know, the, the big, big change after 18 years is um you know there's not going to be a coupon book no one's going to have to go around and get cigars this year um which is a big change yeah uh it's a big change for logistics for us it's a big change in how the event will go the the live participants will probably have anywhere from extra 45 minutes to an hour that they would have wasted waiting around all the tables to get their event cigars it's all gonna come pre-packed Yeah. um so that was a big change for us this year. So there was a lot of logistics in that, um, and I don't know if you I, I, did you have a chance to upload any of those images?
0: Uh, yeah, we've got them in, set up in Streamyard, ready to pop. Okay, up perfect. Green. So,
1: so put up the put up the picture of the package, right? So we got a picture of the package here, and this is what you get with your ticket. Whether no, not that one. The the, the full
0: the party pack center. Got it. There
1: we go. That one. So this is what you you get with your live or. Virtual event. If you get this with a live ticket, you'll have to be handed this at the moment of check-in before you enter the building. If you're if you're watching virtual or participating virtual, this package will be shipped to your home in mid-February. So normally, when you would show up, you would have gotten all the other trinkets and stuff, and then you get a coupon book and all those thirty or two premium cigars. You'd have to walk to each individual company, hand them up a ticket, and get that. Now this year, now you can put up that picture. We got this cool hardened pack. So this is all self-contained. You got your commemorative ashtray. We got a cool little Chinese drum, a commemorative cutter, a commemorative lighter, uh, the commemorative shot glass. It's all in that top layer. And then all your cigars will be in the two drawers underneath. This will be handed to you at check-in or shipped to your home this way. And um, that's a big thing this year.
0: I mean that's uh, that's next level. That yeah. honestly, that packaging that is next level shit. That can you is- imagine
1: eighteen years later and we still keep going? I mean, hey, yeah, you keep evolving. You don't stop. I'm telling you, I, I say this every year, mm-hmm. and I think the only reason why eighteen years later I can still say this with confidence is the track record has been good. Because I yeah. say this is going to be the best year ever, and. I really feel it's going to be the best year ever man we got a lot of shit going on and look let's face it the dragon chinese new year theme has got got a lot to play with yeah so i'm excited about this year i'm excited about the packaging i'm excited to see how this ticket book thing removing it goes either it's going to be catastrophic or it's going to be brilliant i mean one or the other um but yeah it's it's a lot of pressure it's a lot of pressure on the team it's a lot of it, it made it worse when after covid we made the decision to continue doing it virtually Because now it's literally putting on two different events at the same time. Exactly. So, you know, had we just do, listen, the digital experience, historic moment in our cigar industry, um, as far as I'm concerned, smoking will never get as much credit as they deserve, as they will deserve. I agree. uh, For for what that accomplished that year, you know? I've said it before, if I knew in advance how difficult and what we were going to pull off, I would have done a documentary and had it hired a crew to follow us at least the last. 30 to 45 days before we went live. But when we made the decision after that, based on consumer emails, we got emailed by hundreds of people saying, this was amazing. I could never leave, leave my house, come to an event, do this. So when we made the decision to do both simultaneously at the same time, it it, it, it basically is like throwing two events. Yeah. You have what's going on there live, and you have the whole Michael Herklotz, Kim, Te- Kim Keeney, and Paul DeGracco, as long as his wife doesn't have a baby that week because she's due sometime around that time. Oh, man. Yeah. They'll be handling the virtual side of things. And it's literally two events. And what made it cool was a lot of people now who come every year, if they can't come, now they have that option. I can't tell you how many people who couldn't make it this year who message me, but they got a virtual ticket. They're going to participate. And even the people who come live now, it's become very customary. They'll go home and watch the five-hour broadcast because for them it's a totally different experience. They get to experience the event again in a different way because when you're there live, you're not conscious of what's being broadcast to people at home. You know, we have a side stage that Michael Hurdclaw is typically on, and outside of the entertainment that goes on the main stage and the three interviews, everything else, no one there live really is kind of involved. So it's a whole different experience. So it became two events, but yeah, my my gut and and everything go. going is. This is going to be the best year ever.
2: Um, I love it. Do you do you have information on how many virtual passes are left and how many live passages, uh, pass packets are? So left? normally,
1: here? normally the goat puts a report on my desk every Monday. Um, I was out of town last Monday, and today I actually spent all day at the warehouse. So um, I don't know, but I will tell you this: um, ticket sales. So Last year, virtual tickets took 26 hours to sell out. This, I mean, VIP tickets. This year, um, it took 90 minutes, less than 90 minutes to sell out.
0: Yeah. For VIP tickets, wow. Yeah,
1: less than 90 minutes compared to 26 hours. And the year before that, it was about 38 days. So in three years, it's gone from 38 days to 26 hours to less than 90 minutes to sell out. Um all our other ticket sales, everything is everything some of them sold out already and gone, but everything I think it's the first year the brunch was sold out like literally in December ever. Um we sold three we sold out three or four room blocks at two or three different hotels. Um and all the ticket sales are way ahead of last year, except for virtual. Because virtual is was my concern because you know, we don't do a chinsey production. It's a big production yeah, it's major um and um it's very expensive so based on the first year of virtual tickets because they sold out so fast it was coming right off the digital experience our second year was a lot less it was about almost six seven percent less okay so i got concerned because that's where i'm getting the budget for the broadcast
0: yeah
1: are there any enough virtual tickets there ain't no virtual broadcast, mm-hmm. so you had 2022, which was epic. 2023 it was a little disappointing. All our numbers this year, every every check, the virtual tickets have been ahead of last mm-hmm. year. So you know, it looks like we're committed to at least one more year of doing it because yeah. the numbers are getting better than last year. But I don't know the exact number of what's left. But I tell you what, the last time I looked at it, I literally said virtual tickets will probably sell out. Um, but this is the first year in the history of the event we may not have tickets available at the door. Okay. Because
0: okay. there's always
1: a handful of, you know, 50 or 100 tickets that usually will sell out at the door that day. I do not believe we'll have tickets available at the door at the, at the rate they've been going.
0: Okay. That's a good problem to have, though. That's awesome. Um, so one of the other things that um, is really cool about this event is there's you know, it's not just the main event that happens on Saturday, there's there's other events and some are, you know, some are VIP events, some are additional, you know, charge events, but then there's also just the smoke in locations, you know, whether it's Boynton Beach or other locations that people just get together during that weekend and hang out and smoke and and, and talk and drink and it's it's a great time. Um, so, you know, aside from just kind of those impromptu herfs, you know, at your smoke in locations, um let's let's talk through some of the other uh sort of additional events um uh, that are outside of the main event on saturday like uh eric is doing the tailgate i believe
1: so yeah so you know when we did it the first year first two years uh yeah there that is um we didn't really have any other event it was just a one five hour thing yeah so I got a call one time, I think it was a guy in Boston, I'm pretty sure. I was working late, it was about 9.30 at night. He calls me up and says, look, I'm reading this thing and I'm coming down from Boston. What else do you got going on? And I had no idea, like, you're supposed to have other events. Like, what do you mean, what else is going on? He's like, oh, you know, we're flying, we're coming down. There. Is, is that it? It's only five hours? I'm like, I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of designed this to be a local event. We weren't really expecting people to fly in from all over the country. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the guy came down. And the guy came down. He had such a great time. He says, I'm coming back next year with three of my friends. So that very next year, we had the first after party. And that was it for a couple of years. He had the main event and an after party. And it just kept evolving. It just kept evolving. So last year was the first tailgate party ever, which now it's going to be even bigger this year. And that's with the cigar, uh, Distinguished Ruffians and Eric Espinosa. And that was the image you just showed right there. Yep. First time ever this year. He's having a DJ outside. It just... It, that's how these things start. They start with an idea and a concept and they just keep growing. So, this is going to be a big thing this year uh, the tailgate party. And that was the first edition in a long time. You thought you couldn't add more. And this year, we added a uh, Elijah Craig whiskey flight tasting, a VIP you know, tasting. Uh, it was only limited to 40 people because some of the boozer bringing is very allocated. So, there mm-hmm. really isn't enough spots to have a lot more people. But that's why we did it on Thursday during the day, right before the, the first event, because not everybody has trolled, you know, arrived yet where yeah. they're coming, but yeah, people will start coming in Tuesday, even Wednesday. Um, our first event is the Elijah Crate tasting in the afternoon. I think it's four and it rolls right into event with the uh, Black Work Studios, which this is their first year in the Great Smoke and their involvement and they, they're kicking it off. So it's pretty crazy. Then we roll into Friday night, which we have two epic things. We usually have a dinner at the fairgrounds. 200 feet of table, not 200 feet of table, eight times 25. Yeah, 200 feet of table, 200 people seated, both sides, as long as you could see. And the Red Meat Lovers Club throws an amazing dinner every year. And it comes with a uh, usually a pack made by the manufacturer. This year's Henderson Ventura of ADV cigars. So everybody at the event will be getting three nice cigars and a uh, a carrying case map that he makes. And that's all included with your ticket price. And that's that's Friday night. But at the same time, because only a couple hundred people can go there, mm-hmm. um, we throw a big event in our headquarters in Boynton Beach. Yeah, And it'll be hosted by Nick Perdomo this year, right the night before the party. Then Saturday morning, we have the tailgate. That rolls right into the Great Smoke. Then Saturday night, McAuliffe Cigars is doing a party. Um, at at, at our headquarters in Boynton Beach and then we roll into a nice sweet finale of Sunday morning with a brunch with all you can drink mimosas and Bloody Marys so this is part of our special releases so that's something that also started in the great smoke uh, the digital experience so I knew when I was coming up with a digital experience that most people were going to comprehend what my final result was going to be because the few people who did virtual events did it like like we do KMA, like you're doing your show, it's a flat multiple yeah. screens. And that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I really tried to say, okay, I need to really kind of hype this up because if we're gonna put all this effort into it, I need people that wanna do this and be involved. So um, it was uh, my idea to start reaching out to manufacturers that first year. And it was Carlito Fuente, uh, Nick Perdomo, Terrence Riley, Steve Saka, Rocky Patel, and Pete Johnson, six companies. Yeah. And I think we made like 300 of each, except when they only made 100, I believe. And they all sold out like in five minutes, crashed, oh. our, crashed our site six times yeah. uh, during the broadcast. And I even said, I said, wow. I, I, you know, poor Terrence Riley, I think he went last. Who's going to buy his? You know, these <laughs> five guys just sold out and it sold out like in 10, 12 minutes. It was insane. Yeah, So, we continued that, um, for the, for the next few years. And we bumped it down to, I think five in this year to only three. And one of the things when we were trying to conceptualize, can we do this live and, 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 and virtual at the same time was this, we only get like 300 of these typically. How am I going to figure out how to do this for live people and virtual? Because I got to make sure the inventory is right. You can't oversell it. You can't fuck up. And how do you know where to allocate it if I sell too many virtual? And I'm sticking, it stuck with a bunch live. So it was Alex who actually came up with the idea that we we do them before the Great Smoke. Yeah. This way, whether you have a virtual ticket or you have a live ticket, we just host them before. And I thought that was a great idea because one of the things I noticed in digital experience was, holy cow, these guys were going after everyone. And it's really a big spend for a lot of people. And then they're still taking part in some of the offers and deals of the day. So yeah. to be able to spread it out your purchases over the course of two or three months, I thought was also brilliant too, and, and be a lot easier for people who wanted to really try to walk away with a lot of limited stuff. So our first, we had three releases this year. Steve Saka, who's been doing it every year since the digital experience, JC Newman, my first time I got to work with Drew Newman and the folks over there, kind of cool, and Drew Estate, who I've had a lot of work with in the past, and um, they did they bought back the Ming name for this Underground version uh, of of uh, that they called Ming. So. We have a drop. We already did the, on January 3rd the Steve Saka one. This Wednesday, so the day after tomorrow, we're dropping the J.C. Newman one. I don't know if you have a graphic of that. Oh, uh, yeah,
0: the Dragonfire.
1: Yes, so this is kind of cool. They came up with the name on their own, and this is a different blended box version press of Brick House, because none of them are box press, and they left this really long, shaggy foot, which kind of looks like Dragonfire. It was kind of a cool concept. So... Um, this was a very cool release. There'll be 300 boxes of these only, and they're only available to those participating in the Great Smoke. That's why we don't do big runs, because it's not to our full customer list, our full audience. It's just, these are people just special things we had made for those who are participating in Great Smoke. That drops this Wednesday, and then two weeks later, we'll be dropping the one from Drew Estate. They happen at 6 p.m. live. We do a broadcast usually from the manufacturer. So Drew Newman is going to be on with us this Saturday, and someone from Drew Estate will be on with us this Wednesday, Someone will be on with us the following two Wednesdays after that. And during that broadcast, if we talk to the manufacturer, we open up the sales live and they go. And the, I think the Dunbar one sold out like in a day. And, um, you know, we'll see how the next two goes. But it's that is also a new component that wasn't around for the majority of the Great Smoke
0: history. Yeah, Well, and those I know, even myself, being at the Great Smoke uh, two years ago, um, having the opportunity to get some of those exclusives, I mean, i i i had to i had to really play Tetris with my luggage on the way home just to fit <laughs> all the cigars in there that i that i bought. In addition to just what came in the event pack, you know, i i probably bought another i don't, what six boxes of cigars or something.
1: Well, uh, to come home with the savings that day are pretty substantial,
0: and they are, so- yeah.
1: If you know, I think most people kind of gotten the idea. They save up money because they can buy in and get really good deals. And most of the manufacturers come with some pretty cool like gifts and add-ons. So not only are you getting a really substantial deal on the cigars that day, you're getting some cool free gifts. And even for those at home, so we do our drops. They can't come to our regular website to buy it. We have a special store that you enter through the TGS, the Great Smoke website, and. If you have a ticket whether it's live or virtual the website knows once you log in it lets you in the store and that's where we do our drops and then the day of the great smoke you'll have all 32 deals from all the 32 manufacturers so even if you're at home you can still partake in a lot of this good deals that are going on for the day
0: yeah nice. and i mean that you you're totally right about not just the deals that and and the deals are pretty extraordinary but also you know, for people who really dig swag and I know a lot of people out there in the cigar community love their swag, you know, there's, there's extras with some of these purchases that, um, that people can take advantage of, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, travel humidors or lighters or cutters, you know, uh, from, from the brands that, you know, people, uh, have come to know and love, you know, that's, it's a great time to be able and, and a lot of this, a lot of this stuff, um, you know, if it, you're only going to be able to get this from, you know, a great smoke ticket and and making your purchases through the, through the website, uh, unless you're able to go to, you know, a cigar event for one of these brands. Uh, and if you live in an area that, you know, doesn't really have cigar events, this is your chance to get your hands on some of this stuff.
1: We don't well, have- what's, kind of, what's kind of cool that we've been doing this so long is you're going to see this year, um, You're gonna see some swag that's made by manufacturers. That's Great Smoke branded.
2: Mm. Mm,
1: Nice. So it won't be stuff you won't be able to get at another event. And they're making some special packaging for the stuff they'll be selling there. That's Great Smoke Ear the Dragon branded. And I'm starting to see more and more of that happen, which I think is great because for the people coming to an event, they're getting something really, really unique because they won't be able to get it at another event or anywhere else. And their friends who didn't come to the event will be able to get that stuff. So that to see that trend going on has been very cool
0: yeah well and and that shows a lot of because that there's a lot of work and money that goes in to you know for one of these any of these cigar companies to you know have this swag uh designed the design work and the production work that goes into having it uh printed or molded or whatever it is uh that takes a lot and for them to come up with a brand new line of swag that's specifically branded for your your event that shows a great level of trust and and that's the that's the track record that you have over the years with this event is that it's it's grown steadily and it's grown um in a healthy way and and that really shows the trust that you have built with these brands that they're going to they're going to front the money to have this swag produced. They know they'll they'll get it back on the back end once the sales made at the register. But that it still, in the end, that shows a great deal of trust. So you guys, your whole team should should be extremely proud of that.
1: The, the trust of the great of the great smoke from the manufacturer side was really, honestly. I mean, they they really trusted me more than ever. Was a digital experience. Yeah, because I knew when I was talking to them, not one of them had a clue what the hell I was talking about. Yeah, are you going to do what? You're going to do it Uh, virtually? None of them had a clue. Um, That was the real trust. The trust we now really fight for every day is not the manufacturers as much as now the consumers. Consumers got to trust coming back year after year. Look, one of the things I strive for, because I've traveled the country, I've been to about five or six multi-vendor events. I I don't want to come to the same old event every year. It's just to do the same thing every year over and over again gets tedious. So for us to go theme it now with these themes every year and and literally creating a different physical experience in decor and entertainment and interaction um, makes it a stunning new experience year after year. That was probably one of my best ideas ever, which happened on accident. It happened the year before the digital experience where, um, one of our graphic artists. So normally we would theme like the lanyards and the ticket book. So all the arts would have themes. Like one year was all metal looking stuff. One year was all earth tones and whatever. So this year he was doing like all like galaxy, like space age stuff. But I was looking at the flyer and I literally said, oh, I like the disco globe in the background. He goes, that's not a disco globe. It was like a outer space thing, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, it looks like a disco. I said, dude that's what we're going to do. We're going to theme it. We're going to make it disco. And that's what we did. You know, and that was, that was our first themed event ever. And that was uh, before the, the year, right before the digital experience. So we did a disco event. Can you dig it? Was our tagline and that went off great. And then we had the digital experience and working with that team and seeing sets being built gave me a lot of insight of what's going on. And, It really enabled us to come back to the last luau where we got moved into the main expo hall of the South Florida Fairgrounds and really was able to build some cool decor. Um, and then it rolled into, you know, Mardi Gras madness. We had a huge smoking head up on stage (laughs) and, and I think we spent more on decor this year than any other year or the year of the dragon. It's the first year we have ceiling treatments. And that's a pain in the
0: oh, ass. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, it's Year of the
1: Dragon. How you are not going to have ceiling? Yeah, themes. you got to have that. So, yeah, it's a, it's a pain in the ass. But um, it's been fun. And, and theming, it's great because we already have the theme. So we're usually a couple years out on themes. Right. Start shopping. So we're already, like, working on the swag for 2025. We are already working on the production video because every year at the very end of The Great Smoke, if you're there live, you see it. If you watch it digitally, you could see it presented at the very end of The Great Smoke. We surprise everybody and tell everybody what the theme for the following for the next year is going to be. So we're already right. working on that videography for that little 60 second snippet yeah. to release what the theme for 2025 is going to be. I think people are going to dig it. Nice. So we'll see. We'll see. Well,
0: I do have a question about ven- the venue um, because, you know, being at the event a couple of years ago, it is a really great venue for a cigar event. And I'm curious because I know from other people who put on, you know, larger events venues are really tricky especially when it comes to smoking and things like that so um you know are you guys are you guys really solid with the venue that you're currently working with um and what are like how do you work out contingency plans for if you find out that either next year or two years from now you're gonna have to look for a different venue well we're
1: contracted already for 2025
0: OK, and before
1: this summer, I'll be contracted for 2026. Yeah. Um, so we have time. There's a contingency plan, but. Um, we got really lucky when I say lucky, lucky. So, you know, this event started basically in the front courtyard of our West Palm Beach location, we had two years there that we expanded it to the side parking lot. And then as the years went by, we just took over more and more of the parking lot So literally we took the whole east side. Of the complex and we outgrew that and we knew there was a big construction job coming in our shopping center like like half it was gonna get to down and we, we just do the great smoke wasn't gonna work of that year so i was lucky enough to run into the american german club where i knew they held oktoberfest here which is a big like two weeks long of thousands and thousands and thousands of people so i thought we could do it there we met with them it was good i think we did it there for about four or five years and then honestly at the last minute Um, they had some kind of internal turmoil and they just said they weren't going to allow, and they were, they were fighting the city on some issues. So they weren't going to let us do the event and we really didn't know early enough on. So that put us in a tizzy. And one of the reasons why we never went to the fairgrounds was the fairgrounds does the South Florida fair every year. It's actually going on right now. And you know, they have booths booths and people that sell stuff there. And we had talked to them about maybe getting a booth one year. But smoke free Florida was a big part and sponsor of the South Florida Fair. Yeah. So they weren't having it. So we started looking at other locations when we lost a German club. Um and I remember, man, it was a struggle. We were because we didn't want anything too far away. We need something that we be able to smoke in. We need something that could hold the people that would have the parking. And I think our best option was like 40 minutes away from where our headquarters is. Maybe 45. And it was a real struggle, and we weren't even sure they could handle the parking. So I said, "You know what? Let me try the South Florida Fairgrounds. What could it hurt?" And I, I called them out, out of the blue, and they had no idea what we're talking about. Um, but we took the two outdoor buildings they had. It was called. It's called the uh, Agriplex. Yeah. And um, not only did did they do a great job of putting it together. They loved it. Their team loved it. In fact, their board of directors all came down, and now they you not make sure they get tickets every year. <laughs> so um, they're amazing, and they love us. And, you know, as long as there's not a major regime change, yeah. um, I think we're going to be there for a long time, and I don't think we could ever outgrow the South Florida Fairgrounds. So we're in very good shape there, and uh, the real people in charge love the event. It's Look, it's a friendly and fun event, man. They come in, they see thousands of people having a great time. They love it. Yeah. So, um, they've been really good working with us, and uh, then, so we, so let me see here, so yeah, so yeah, so when we were doing the Mardi Gras Madness, was it? The last two. Um,
0: when last, we were doing last the last two
1: out, they messaged me in December, and they said, "Hey, um, how would you like to move your event?" From the Agriplex buildings, which were two buildings outside, to the main expo hall, <laughs> and my this is in December. My event's like two months away, and I'm like, I could just tell by the tone of the call. I'm like, are, are you asking me? Are you telling me? Right. That was literally my response to him. He's like, mm, Yeah, I'm kind of telling you. Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> you got a contract for a year. He's like, Well, I mean, read clause number seventeen point four. Oh. That, oh, he had it ready. <laughs> he had it ready before the phone call. He's like, "We can relocate you, but it's a better venue. We're not going to charge you more money." I'm like, "Dude, I already got this floor plan laid out for two buildings. I have yeah. to redo the floor plan completely." All right. It took me 17 hours to redo the floor plan to figure out how to make the two buildings fit in one. Because even though the total square footage is about the same, because mm-hmm. the main extra, you're losing four walls, right? Extra walls of space to cover shit in. Yeah, so it was really complicated to redo it, and I said, "Yeah, well, after we do it, because the other concern was there's no smoking in that building." Yeah, I said, are you going to let us smoke in there? like, "Yeah, absolutely." So you sure? Yeah. I said, "Okay." I said, "After this event, I won't have to worry about because they're never going to let us do that event inside that building ever again." <laughs> that was my response. They're they, they, they never when they see what's going on. They will never let us smoke in that <laughs> building again. That's what they do. Barrett Jackson and like every major expo they have there. So sure enough, the event's over. And after the event, I say, fuck it. I know it, cost, it costs a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Just the air conditioning for a day in that building. Yeah. I said, this event can't get moved out of here. If I move this event back outside, it's going to look like it went from Broadway to the ghetto. Back to the getter. I mean, I said, "Just no way. We, we just got to do it here next year." So I literally went up and I asked him. I said, "Hey, listen, what do you think the odds are that we could do the event again in the May next fall?" I'm like, sure, no problem. I'm like, "Whoa, great, love it." Only problem we found out is like February and March is like our biggest booking months. That's why I got to book like two years ahead, yeah, to make sure we get our dates. So um, that's how that works. So yeah, I think we I right out of all the things that can go haywire. Losing the venue is lower on the list than many other things.
0: Yeah, well, thank God. And you and you said it yourself. You you have an idea for a future, maybe twenty twenty six or twenty twenty seven. The Great Smoke, back to the ghetto.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you can
0: do what Eric V says. You can do a Havana Nights outside. There you go. No, no. <laughs>
1: we, we 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 did almost try to do a bonfire one night at the fairgrounds. Um we've had a couple of ideas that we never got to pan out properly and you know a lot to do. Um, but what's nice about where I'm currently at is we're in the main expo hall. They have a west hall that's literally attached. So I have thirty-five thousand square feet readily available when I need it. The problem is everybody's like, oh well take it now. I can't really take it now. I have to wait to the point. Where all ticket sales sell out like in a week or two, where I know there's a demand for at least another five to six hundred people. Yeah. Because I can't book an expense of another hall for like an extra hundred and fifty tickets. Mm-hmm. Two hundred. We got it's gotta be at least like probably closer to seven hundred and fifty yeah. more that than then we'll be you know, the hell at the rate we're going, honestly. I'm 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 gonna guess it could be two to three years away.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the growth has been pretty impressive. Yeah. Um One of the things I'm curious about, um, I want you to think back through the years of the Great Smoke and I want you to think of one event that sticks out or one sort of special, uh, whether it was a special event or a special uh, entertainment or a special activity that you had all planned out and everybody was excited for and it just didn't quite, (laughs) it just didn't quite work. It didn't pan out. It didn't, maybe it fell flat or maybe... You know, um, have you had any of those those special activities plans that uh, maybe uh, should have been left on the cutting room floor? Because I've been involved in big events like that before. Where- so,
1: <laughs> the, and we've done a lot of shit.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, uh, bull riding, dunk tanks, uh, cash machines. Um... I really can't say I really can't thinking about all the shit we've done over the years. I can't say any of them were a dud. That's only And the only reason why we moved on from something is like we did it two years in a row and that's it. Of course, you know. Um, I can't say any of them are dud but like I can't tell you like one we did something one year we didn't do it again was um, we had a guy do like a casino in there. Mm. So we had craps. Blackjack, um I don't know what else he had, and they and they kept points and records and they won prize where that we didn't do it again because some people fucking never left.
0: Oh my. they went in
1: that shit never came out ever again. Like, you know, so yeah, yeah. It wasn't that it was a bad you know, nobody liked it, but it was like they liked it too much. Like they didn't participate <laughs> in anything else in the show. So so that was the one year that that, that, that we just cut it. Like, yeah. Yeah, but that was the only really thing I could think about. Everything else always did very, very well. Thank God.
0: That's really cool. I mean, yeah. I've been yeah, I've been part of events uh, before where we uh, we plan down to the detail just like you guys do, and one little activity that we plan and it just turns out to be <laughs> falls flat on its oh, wow. face. So I'm grateful that you guys haven't had to deal with that before. It's not it's not fun when that happens.
1: I mean, look, we take chances. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't know what the tailgate party was gonna do. I really didn't. I'm like, right. eh, what, what do we got to lose? We throw it out there. We yeah. see how it goes, and it went great. And it's and I know it's gonna get crazier and crazier. It's one of those things I see it already evolving. In fact, that whole idea started because the year before we're working because we're there. My, me and a, t- a team is there that whole week, starting from Monday morning till Saturday end of event. That whole week, and I'm walking outside to go get something from the car. I'm like. I see one car. I mean, this is is the South Florida Expo Center. Parking lot's massive. Nobody's there but us. And we're all parked right by the gate, by the bay door. I see one car. One car. Two people sitting in long chairs. And they're drinking, a a guy and his wife, and they're smoking cigars. (laughs) I said, there is no way this dude is here tailgating by themselves. So I walk up to them, introduce himself. I recognize them from our smoking social pit. I said, what are you doing? He says, we're tailgating. You know the event's not tomorrow. He's there a day early. He's like, oh, we got nothing to do. I said, all right, fuck this. We're going live.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I go on a Facebook Live, and I literally said on the Facebook Live, watch. Because of this moment right now. That's right. This guy right here, I guarantee you there'll be a tailgate party next year. And someone reached out to me the, you know Mitch from uh the distinguished ruffians wanted to throw a tailgate party and we did it last year and I just from the turn I couldn't even make it out there to see it I the tailgate party was something I, I witnessed absolutely nothing yeah. about. and um I heard everybody had a great time everybody loved it and it's even bigger this year so yeah I mean we've been blessed that, that everything's kind of really hit off well that we've done you know so I love it you
2: can you can have a better guy out there DJing with that event with tailgate as Espinosa. Yeah, he loves as them, long as you don't, as long as they
1: don't let him sing four <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know he's gonna sing a few songs. That's given.
0: Oh, God, oh yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah, uh, well, I wonder is is, is it, it time? I think it's time.
2: All right, it's all time. right,
0: guys. It is now time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. Numero de los Muertos, brought to us by our friends at Smoke Inn. You know, Abe, I have to tell you, every time I see that ad at the end of it with that flaming dragon, I see flaming dragon, and I think you remember the movie Tropic Thunder. Yeah, the, the, we are flaming dragon. Every yeah. time I see that, that's what I think of. I love that. I get hungry after every every time I hear <laughs> yeah. it. I want to eat.
1: I'm really blessed. I'm gonna tell you because you know, before, while I was running my family business and I had the cigar distributing, distributing on the side in Chicago, I had my own graphics company. Yeah. So, um, before I was able to hire graphic artists, I used to do all our own graphic works, everything. And, man, um, I, mean, I look at our own shit. I tell you what, man, I, I love my graphics team. It is such a blessing to have full-time graphics people. All yeah. they do is turn out art all day, all day long. And it's just, it makes everything look so much nicer yeah. when you've got Greg, graphics guy. and then. then the art they create man it I, I, it always blows me away man I'm like that is some pretty shit.
0: oh yeah mm-hmm. well this week on numero de los muertos once again i'm sorry to do this to you guys but the number is one
2: fact or fiction
0: it's it this is real it actually happened
1: real life
0: huh uh it happened in 1983 in the united states one person died from from this particular type of injury that led to his death and it, it was in a very particular the injury was very particular but also the way that it happened was very particular.
2: Abe was playing nose guard and he ran <laughs> over somebody and killed no, the quarterback? I mean
1: seriously dude more obscure thing this week?
0: I know oh, and Abe the one you texted me a few months ago I have tried so fucking hard to I, find I, out I have I have spent hours on the internet trying to find like actual usable statistics about that and I, I I have come up dry
1: I came up with something I thought would be a great it
0: it would be I would I wish there was somebody that had like like legitimate stats about that So are you giving up?
1: Should we tell people what it was?
0: No, I don't want to, because I'm not, I have not given up hope. Okay. I still want to, I still want to use that one. I mean, I remember if you ever use it or figure it out, text me. I never got it. I
1: just thought maybe (laughs) you forgot to text me. No, I,
0: I, I've been searching. It's just, there's, it's hard to find. But, but anyway, back to tonight's one person died in 1983 from this. Not castration. Not castration. Not a stub toe. Okay.
1: This is going to be a William Cooper length show. I can tell you that right
0: <laughs> now. No, no,
1: we got no. no. So, somebody in '83. Guess this is going to be impossible.
2: Somebody got stabbed
0: in the eye with chopsticks. No,
1: crushed by a cow.
0: Not crushed by animals. Cow. Hold on, hold on. Can animals, couple, animals are not involved. Okay.
1: Can we ask a couple questions? Yeah, yeah just
0: knock, knock off. Is, was many, it,
1: is it work related?
0: No. Is it it's, on land? On land, yes. Alcohol-related? Not alcohol-related. Are vehicles involved? Vehicles are not involved. Drugs? No drugs are involved.
2: Tripped on a toddler?
0: Not tripped on a toddler. I will, I will give you one. It's a recreational activity.
1: A recreational activity. Yes. Does it require multiple people?
2: Yes. Is it ice fishing? No. Because we just had somebody die.
1: Just Does it have to do with jarts?
0: <laughs> no, no. I will. Uh, I'll go one. I'll go one better than recreational activity. It's it's a it's a sports that is also that. that is also a recreational activity.
1: Play is it done play only in the summer?
0: Um, for the most part, yes. Okay.
1: Frisbee? I like that one.
0: Not frisbee. Pogo? Not pogo. Golf? Not golf. Hip bag? Not golf. skiing.
1: skiing. Well, it, it requires multiple people here, so let's think here. Yeah. Is it badminton? No. Tennis. Oh, it's,
0: no, it's that other sport. It's tennis. It's, uh, it's tennis. tennis. So Justin's on the right track. It's tennis. Okay. All right. How do you die playing tennis?
2: Hmm. You have and a heart it's... attack overexerting yourself. No.
0: No, not that.
1: Uh. He got tangled in the net. No. no. Death by net. Death by ball? Ball <laughs> to the head? Death De- by
0: Turned balls for the balls. So Abe, yes, death by ball, but not struck in the head. Struck in the balls. Justin, yes. struck in the balls. Struck in the balls by the balls. Get this. Man. So one of the players... So there was a one of the line judges' names was Richard Wertheim. He was 60 years old. He was officiating one of the junior boys' matches at the U.S. Open in 1983 in New York City. One of the players... Hit a serve, but the ball went wild and struck Wertheim directly in the groin. This injury caused have... him. This this uh, impact of the ball caused him to fall backwards and strike his head on the court, oh. and, he, uh... and he passed away.
1: Wow! Oh, wow.
0: so, what, so what a way to go.
1: The other, the next question I have is like were you searching for this or did you come across this completely accidentally? I He
2: was looking for balls. I, I, <laughs> I mean, that's
1: what I'm saying. Come up with, I, mean, I mean, normal the train of thought would be you'd come up with, oh, I wonder how many people died doing that, and then you go research it. I know you didn't think of, oh, let me see if anybody got killed with a tennis ball to the nuts. How did <laughs> this come about?
0: Uh, so this, uh, the source of this is an article Uh called uh eight uh eight surprisingly no wait uh ten incredibly bizarre de- death statistics there you go okay yeah <laughs> it, it so you got t- like nine more of those to go <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've actually
0: already used some of them but i was gonna
1: say that's where last week's one came from <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it's honestly, after doing Numero de los Muertos for this many years, it's like the, the well is starting to go dry. It's not easy to keep finding this weird shit out there. So that's why the number one, it's like, OK, I'm not going to find, you know, 325, but I can find a one that was just completely off the wall out of this world weird. And that's kind of what we've had to go with recently because the well is getting a little dry. David David Floyd's going to Google that next week, so you got to change your list up. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Fucking cheater, you. I'll find some some more goods. All right. uh, Let's jump into the lightning round brought to us by our friends at J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Um, oh, excuse me, uh JC Newman. I'll be okay. Can I help you? I'm, I'm, I'm just Heimlich? fine. JC Newman Cigar Company, America's <laughs> oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, creators of the popular Brick House, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and The American. JC Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Reload Cigar Factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or visitor experience, please visit JC Newman dot com. All right, so Abe, you've been on the show a, a few times, so I, I I dug for some fresh lightning round questions, and um, this this one this first one I'm actually it, I think it's interesting.
1: Do I have well, to answer fast? Is that what lightning round is?
0: No, not no. they're just these are just non cigar related questions. Got it. So, what is the most outdated piece of technology? that you s- still own and still actually use
1: a vinyl player
0: nice i like that nice i like that i have a vinyl I, it, it player. it wouldn't have been me personally know.
1: but my daughters got into vinyl so yeah now i shop for vinyl and we have a vinyl player we have a couple of vinyl players
0: now i like that a calculator like at a standalone calculator not on your phone
1: that's... I, I I got a solar-powered calculator on my desk, like those little cheap ones, like, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, oh, like, it's about that big. I have it on my desk for just quick math if I need to punch Okay.
0: It. Why okay. look for my phone? Uh, David, if you still use an abacus, uh, good for you, I guess. God bless. You know, hey. Um, All right. So, Abe, if if you and your family could just suddenly tomorrow morning Get on a plane and go anywhere in the world, where would you go?
1: Based on my decision? Uh, we'll
0: call it a family decision. The family, everybody.
1: I mean, let's just be real, bro. There's no real
0: Any spot on to. the club.
1: <laughs> well, let's just be real. I well, yeah, yeah, yeah. think it's a family decision, but there's no not know. Right
0: um, oh. Michelle says your answer better be Alaska. <laughs>
1: Uh, we went there so that probably wouldn't be a choice i know they want to go hawaii because none of us have ever been so that's on our radar and i think my wife and i have talked a lot about going to like um vietnam we have some friends over there oh yeah and you know we probably hit japan when we're you know or that could be another one but probably one of those two or three places
0: okay um if you and I, I know you actually have already had a celebrity talk show, you know, with the uh, the digital experience. But if you were suddenly overnight. Given a, a full on network late night TV talk show, who would be the first celebrity that you would want as your first guest on the show?
1: Gordon Ramsay. Oh, great
0: answer. I like that. What is it about uh, Gordon that interests you?
1: I, so for, you know, I mean, look, I've actually met Jordan and talked to Jordan. So it was just like a personal experience for me. Um, but for me, psychologically, Gordon Ramsay is like the equivalent of Michael Jordan in the culinary world. Yeah. Um, not just for being the youngest three star Michelin chef at, at the time he won his third star, um, it, it, it's just his overall thing, the empire he built the goodwill he does for the culinary world in general grooming young kids and young master chef master chef these home bodies hell's kitchen um even kitchen nightmares at the end of the day this guy's doing a lot of good in the world so yeah he's built an empire, but it's okay to build an empire if you're putting such good productive use to it but yeah i remember watching a scene because i i emotionally felt this way when i was watching a documentary of when he won his third michelin star and he's trying to get the inside scoop you know are they coming are they coming are they checking whatever and um he's on the phone with something important but some guy tells him look i need you to get out of here and go to the front of the house go make sure this is done and while he's on the phone you see the guy come back in and start going like in, in one of those carts at the bottom and start grabbing dishes and stuff and he's looking at this and i, I can I, I still laugh but he doesn't even know what to say does he yell at the guy he takes the phone, he bops the guy in the head. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, I told you, get out of there, you fucking donut. And, you know, the, the level and standards of excellence, when you see even how he talks about running a team and communication, I literally try to implement a lot of that, in even like our warehouse team and stuff like that. It's, it's when you get to that next level of operating Um, Because that's part of getting three Michelin stars, what kind of operator you are. Yeah. And when you get to that next level and standards and how not to lower a standard. Like I remember one time I I got all like crazy um, because I've always prided myself since we started saying a line 15 or 18 years ago, whatever it is. I always wrote a handwritten letter and early on that was by me. And one day I found out, and this is probably going back five, six years ago, like, they didn't do it for international packages. Oh. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why would you think it would be any different? Why would you lower the standard where it goes, well, we didn't want it to go you know, going through customs. Like, bro, if they opened the box and got to the letter, it's already busted in customs. Don't worry about it. You know, so <laughs> it, you know, it, it's that standard. So I admire him a lot. I admire his psychology. Mm-hmm. I would love to do an in-depth interview. Um, because I think the guy that I believe from what I've read and his kids and his family like throughout his whole career and his stardom, he's been married to the same woman. He has four kids. Um, I would love to really pick his brain. That's a guy I, 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 I've never met him. If I could have 30 minutes with him, I would, I would love it. And I even looked up how to get on the, uh, Hell's Kitchen dinner service while they're taping. I thought maybe you could. Oh Yeah. Book two years in advance and get in there. Or something. Hell no, man! Unless you know this guy and get invited, you got to go through a casting agency to get on a health service dinner. Because and I get it, it's online, it's on national TV. They don't want guys with the camera going. Uh, <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. You know, but the guys that look great right in camera. This is amazing, you know. So I get why they go through a casting agency, but yeah, I think Gordon Ramsay would be at the top of my list.
2: I love it. I got a question for you. You've been moving your hands around. You got two tattoos on both insides your wrist. What are they?
1: Ah, so this is actually a good story. So I was on during my three year reign of being on a, the board of directors for our cigar industry. Um. At that time, I think it was RTDA still. Um, or no, actually changed I maybe IPCPR during my year. Um, I was asked to fly to Vegas to check out this very new trade show that had started with another board member. And at that time, the president, uh, the guy who was running the association, I think it was um, Joe Rowe. Okay. He'd been there like 13 years and I was his last year. So he, like, he was like a lame duck president. He wasn't doing shit, didn't care about shit. Um, so they booked my ticket, which is the last time I ever let any outside entity book a ticket for me. I don't care. You win a ticket, whatever, I'm, I'm booking my own flights. So they booked us a ticket. So we were flying out of Fort Lauderdale at Southwest Airlines. And my wife and I went down to the airport, and we got there plenty of time but for whatever reason. Checking in bags took forever, and this and that. And by the time we get to the gate door, it they're literally holding the door for us. And you know Southwest, you can't pick your seats. I mean, that's why I'll never fly Southwest. Anymore. Yeah. So, and back in the day, I couldn't afford a first class ticket, so it was awesome traveling with my wife, because I took one third of her seat. So, we get on the plane, and this is this is Post nine eleven, 9-11. We get, so all our bags are in the underbelly of the plane already. We get on the plane, and I look. And as I'm walking through the beginning of the plane, I, I get past first class, and I see all the way down. This fucking plane is booked. There's literally two seats left on the plane. And one is in a middle row, like mid-plane. And one is in a middle row on the opposite side, literally in the last five rows of the plane. My wife, God bless her, she knows me sees the anxiety mm-hmm. on my face, and I had my laptop bag. Everything else was checked in, my laptop bag. I put it in the thing above because I found an empty spot. So my wife says, I got it, honey, don't worry. So she goes to the back and politely talks to the person, would you mind switching seats? My husband and I can sit together and blah, blah, blah. The guy says, nah, absolutely not. I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to sit in the middle and this and that, and whatever. So disappointed, she walks back up the front. and meanwhile, this whole plane is waiting for us to sit down and take off. We're the last two people aboard the plane. So the stewardess is out watching us. Everybody on the plane is just watching us. So she walks back up and goes to the next guy and tells him the same thing. And this guy's response to my wife is, absolutely not, I'm not moving. (laughs) So now now I'm getting frustrated and I feel bad because my wife is being very nice and these people are being dicks. So I said, listen, buddy, you may not understand the big picture here. <laughs> if you don't move, I'm going to be sitting there. And it's going to be one miserable flight to Vegas. <laughs> and you know what his response to me was? I guess it'll be miserable for both of us. <sighs> yeah. I said, fuck this. I grabbed my fucking laptop bag. My wife screaming, where are you going? I said, we're getting off this plane. The stewardess start telling me you can't get off the plane You're checking the bags. I say, stop me then. You all watching this shit? Nobody wants to deal with getting me seated so I can sit next to my wife. I'm getting off the plane. They let me walk off the plane. Wow. My wife and I walked off the plane. And I'm surprised in retrospect, I'm really surprised they did not call it air marshal. They let me walk off the plane. The plane takes off and all our luggage goes to Vegas. <laughs> oh shit. So my wife says, What are you gonna do? I said, I don't know, let me look. So I start Googling, see if I can get a flight out of Miami, get my own flight out of Fort Lauderdale, getting all this shit. And it's been like an hour and a half. And I just finally said, fuck it. And she says, what? I said, follow me. So she sees I'm leaving the terminal. like, where the yeah. fuck are you going? I go down to the car rental place and I rent this a convertible. There you go. Like, we're not fucking driving to Vegas. I said, nope, we're going to Key West. Fuck Vegas. There you go. We already had somebody watching the kids. So we shoot down and spend four days in Key West. And while we were in Key West, I got this tattoo, which represented my wife and I, our intertwining our relationship, our, our you know, yeah, one band is her and one band is me. And I got this in Key West because of that mist trip. And on our way back, so we had to buy clothes. Yeah, I had to find a big and tall somewhere down the way. <laughs> got me the sandals and a couple outfits. My wife got to come out. We bought clothes with the Key West on our way back up, stopped at Fort Lauderdale, picked up our luggage and came home. Nice. So that was the first one, and then after my son was born, it's literally almost the same emblem, but it has my kids' initials in it. It's upside down here, but it's Petra Zane Zara Asher. Nice. BDA. So it's, it's like my family tattoos. Pretty cool.
0: I love it. I love it. Uh, let's jump into this week's Notable smokables brought to us by Luciano Cigars. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. So each week, all of us name a cigar that we smoked recently that was notable to us. Now this could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we smoked for the first time in a very long time, or it could be a cigar that's brand new to the market that we smoked for the first time ever. Uh, so Abe, what's something you smoked recently that really stood out to you?
1: So it, it, it was literally recently, and it's later than I should, because normally I will smoke these well in advance, but it was the holidays. I ended up having to travel uh, the week of my birthday. So I really did not get a chance to smoke this. And Alex and I um, said that we would smoke one during the drop, during the broadcast. And um, I was traveling so I forgot to bring one with me to smoke. So I really didn't get to smoke one of these until after they were gone and sold out. And I'll tell you exactly when I smoked it because I literally texted Steve Saka let me see here, I uh, here it is. It was Thursday, last Thursday at 7 32. I was doing uh somebody else's podcast and I literally sent him a picture of it. and I said, Stellar, nice. It was a new, was a new DT uh, EX that he dropped for the great smoke that was released last week. That was probably the most stellar cigar I smoked in the last very week. nice. It was very, very good.
0: Nice. Uh, Justin, what was your notable this week?
1: Um, my notable this week was the,
0: uh, Blackworks trading company, uh, Bioticum in a Lancero from like two or three years ago. Oh, nice. Very cool. Yeah. I, I don't think I had the Lancero, but I had one of the sizes of that cigar. I liked it. That Lancero's the best one in the, the bunch. Is it? Yeah. I like that one a lot. What was your notable role? Mine was a Tatuaje
2: Little Haskells. Little Hassels. Hassles.
0: Haskells. Haskell's Hassles.
2: And I think it's probably, I want to say six or seven years old.
0: Yeah, I think they came out. They made a small run, I think, for the Saints and Sinners people of That's that pretty, cigar. Pretty darn good, like um, Petite Corona. My notable was from last night or yesterday afternoon. Packers playing the uh, the Cowboys, and I lit up the lovely cigars number one sixty two. Lovely cigars being a very small, brand new cigar brand uh
2: at a green bay
0: owned by some guys in green bay wisconsin so i lit up the uh the number 162 which has the green and gold on the band and i'm not saying that that you know helped with the victory at all but i'm not saying it hurt that's all (laughs) i'm saying Uh, but it is a nice it is a a really nice cigar blend that they put together with that one it's phenomenal um so that was this week's notable smokables. Brought to you by Luciano Cigars, improving lives through fine cigars. Visit LucianoCigars.com to learn more. And speaking of learning more, here is uh, some cool stuff we have coming up on the next couple weeks on How About That Cigar Live Coming attractions brought to us by A.J. Fernandez. Born and raised in Cuba, A.J. Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The A.J. Fernandez portfolio of cigars provides blend strength and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer, whether it's New World, Diaz de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to be satisfied with a premium cigar from A.J. Fernandez. All right, next week on the 22nd, we have Jack Heyer from Camacho and Davidoff. On the 29th, we have Mickey Pegg from All Saints Cigars. And on February 5th, I didn't finish typing it, but on February 5th, we have Nate Beck from Boveda on the show and uh, maybe if he's in town we'll just have him here ready right oh, he in the he's studio so we'll have him here live in studio uh so Abe hey, brother thank you so much for being on episode 229 of how about that cigar live he's cut off oh we lost Mike. your we lost your audio you hit your mute oh we still uh we still can't hear you you're
1: on, you're on mute.
0: you got mute brother
1: there. I, had to, I had to blow my nose during the commercial, so I didn't want oh. to, to hear me blowing my nose. No, thank you for having me on, man. It's always a pleasure and a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, um, bro. Uh, We look forward to you uh, you know you got all seeing all the pictures and stories from uh, The Great Smoke, and uh, hope you guys have another phenomenal event this year.
1: Thank you, guys. Appreciate
0: it. All right. Uh, viewers and listeners, guys, thank you so much for being the best part of How About That Cigar Live. We thank you so much for watching and listening along with us. Take a minute, subscribe, hit the like buttons, all those wonderful things that keep How About That Cigar going. We thank you guys so much for that. Uh, if you have any questions for us, you can email us right on the website, Uh, Like I said, be sure to follow us on all your favorite social media platforms. You will find us on all of those at... HBT cigar. And of course, we thank you for watching and listening to episode 229. And until, oh, we got, oh, the mystery bourbon. Okay. Real quick. The mystery Mystery bourbon. Bourbon. I like it a lot because there's only like two drops left in the glass. Yeah. You did pound it. I'm going to say, if I had to guess, I'd say it's somewhere in the four roses family, but I can't be sure.
2: Blanton's black Japanese export.
0: This is the Blanton's Japanese. Yep. Well, it's really good. So Blanton's Japanese. Uh, that was the mystery whiskey of the week. Thank you for reminding me of that. I always forget. I'm not just I can I always forget. I'm not just candy. <laughs> I
2: can felt like it today, but I'm not just I can
0: again guys thank you so much for thank watching and listening. Uh, and of course, until we see you guys next time, burn cigars. Not bridges. Thanks, guys. Any comments, opinions, viewpoints, or statements presented or uttered by guests on the HBTC podcast, HBTC live video streams, and all other media from HBT Media LLC are solely those of the individual and do not necessarily represent the opinions or viewpoints of How About That Cigar or its parent company, HBT Media LLC, any of our advertising partners, or the premium cigar industry. The primary purpose of How About That Cigar is to entertain and to encourage activity and growth within the community of people who enjoy or want to learn about the enjoyment of pre- premium cigars.